five, four, three, two, one. Punkadelic Podcast is a podcast about the things make life worth living with your host, the incontinental champ, the Pharaoh of Euro, Ronnie James B.O., Donald J. Slump. Let's get Punkadelic. Listen, I'm aware that I might have used Ronnie James B.O. before, but let me have it. That's not a half bad one. One of these days, I'm going to do a super cut of all the nicknames from every episode, and that is going to be a hell of a listen i think i've threatened to do that before but um every time it comes up i just feel like mm, that seems like a lot of work so let's just get straight into it tonight tonight is going to be a music roundup episode we're about halfway through the year well it's august so we're more than halfway through the year and it feels like every big band that i'm excited about album comes out next month or with like within a matter of weeks as it's the 25th or something today um so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the singles that have come out so far, maybe some albums that have come out, blah, blah, get into the stories, whatever. You know how that goes. If you've been with the podcast before, you'll know what you're in for. Otherwise, um, whatever, welcome. This is probably a half-decent one to get started on. Uh, all right, here we go. 15 people share true facts that sound fake. True facts. Death rates in boxing exploded after the introduction of the boxing glove. The Champawat Tiger was a female Bengal tiger responsible for an estimated 430 deaths in Nepal and India. More people than died in the US in the last 100 years from snakes, burrs, wolves and spider fatalities combined. Shout out that tiger putting up numbers. President Lyndon B. Johnson owned an amphibious car, the Amphibicar, the Amphicar, and used it to scare guests by driving them into his lake, screaming about brake failure. I hope that's true. Wait, are these true? What's the story? These are true facts. Oh, they sound fake. Right, cool. Yeah, sorry. Humans have the gene to and are capable of hibernation. It's just not active. Hmm. There was once a war between Honduras and El Salvador started by a soccer game. Not that surprising. Australia once lost a Prime Minister, as in straight up couldn't find him, and they have yet to find him. He probably drowned. Seems like it. Saudi Arabia imports camels from Australia. That sounds fake as fuck. Wombat poop is square. Go ahead, Google it. Yeah, I know that one. I've seen that before. Do Google that. It's crazy. The poop, perfect cubes every time. Antarctica is the world's largest desert. Eh, all right, not a great one. It rains diamonds on Saturn and Jupiter. Cool. Wouldn't want to get caught in that personally, but... There is a little town in Mexico called Chamula where shamans started using Coca-Cola in their religious rituals to heal worship- worshippers. Pepsi heard about this and began giving commissions to shamans if they recommended Pepsi instead. So then Coca-Cola did the same and there are now rival religious groups based on which soft drink they use. The Judean People's Front! (laughs) 
In the 1950s, Popular Mechanics published a story about a former artillery sergeant who attempted to invent a personal delivery system similar to what Amazon intends to create with drones, except he used modified artillery shells. He actually got hold of an M116 howitzer, which he fired modified shells over a small town in upstate New York. Alright, Jesus, that's a long one. There we go. Uh, there is now a feral wallaby population in France thanks to a botched burglary attempt at the Emoncea Nature Reserve. There you go. The founding fathers of Adidas and Puma were Nazis. Rudolf Rudi Dazzler and Adolf Adi Dazzler. Oh, is that where it comes from? Were born into a German family and Adi eventually began to produce athletic shoes. Rudy joined his younger brother's company and everything went swimmingly for a while. Eventually, both brothers joined the Nazi party. Uh, and then, so whatever about Adidas being Nazis, but then the last one here is about fucking Wayne Gretzky and it's like barely even a fact, never mind. Anyway, that was really anticlimactic. I have had that in notes here and moved that around from several episodes. So it's possible that I found that article months ago and thought, that sounds interesting. That'll go on the pod. That'll be a good piece of content for the Punkadella files. And then in practice, like brutal, like what even were the first 13 there? I don't recall already. Okay, let's do something slightly more fun. So... What I wanted to get into here now was a fan theory for Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I just finished watching all of Loki because I heard Kang showed up in it. And Kang is the primary villain in probably my favorite Avengers uh, storyline run, whatever the terminology is, of all time. Yes, you know, comic nerds that actually read comics, we're still out here. We still exist, you know. Um... It does seem strange now that there's all these Marvel fans running about and they're like, what's a comic? <laughs> like, listen, bro, it used to be a lot harder to find fucking stories about Spider-Man and Spider-Women, not to mention Spider-Hams. Um, so yes, I'm not saying I'm ready to totally endorse Marvel's Phase 4 because, as I said, at one point it just felt like it just got to be too much. Like, WandaVision was pretty good. And then along came Captain America, Winter Soldier on the Falcon. And it was just like, I don't have, definitely don't have time for that. Loki was interesting enough because it's got a whole time twisty interdimensional thing going on. And like, who doesn't love a good variant alternate universe version of a character? So although I have seen certain comments online being like how DC is doing that now with the Batman who laughs with the multiverse who laughs the DC Dark Knight's metal and DC Dark Knight's death metal those really have taken that sorry where was I one of the dogs just came in and gave me a whole bunch of licks there so are you sitting down good stay nice all right so where were we Yes, Marvel TV has felt like a little bit much. Phase four was is is underpinned by a couple like all of the TV is the main thing. And then the couple of movies fill in the gaps. So what are the movies in that phase then? That's um Spider Man multiverse movie, Doctor Strange multiverse movie, Thor, which I've yet to see, and um upcoming 
will does Black Panther 4 come out this year or Black Panther 2 come out this year? I don't know. As I say, I'm sort of over superhero cinema. You know, they have to be new and inventive and keep you interested. Like the boys, if that's not the pinnacle of what's going on in superheroes right now, then I don't want to continue the conversation, to be honest. Um, maybe if we'd gotten a Snyderverse, I'd be excited, more excited. Certainly, I'd be excited about that. Uh, but otherwise, it's feeling a, a lot, a lot like overkill. So, I don't know. Marvel should just take a year off at some point, get people hungry again. What I did watch and enjoy all of Loki. It's kind of like a buddy cop thing that pairs him up with Owen Wilson, then with one of his own variants. Then, yeah, there's enough going on in Loki to make it keep it pretty interesting for six episodes. And Tom Hiddleston is just fucking great, so I don't think he'd be mad at that. So here's a good fan theory. All or part of phase four has taken place in another universe. So do love these huge paradigm shifting twists. So not sure when we'll find out about this, but I think this guy lays it out quite well. So something has always struck me as odd about the season finale of Loki. The episode begins with an overlapping audio sequence of many memorable lines from the many films in the MCU. We zoom out from the Earth and the known universe to reveal a massive singularity. Nestled beside it is another singularity. Oh, hey, there are going to be hella spoilers here for basically everything, like if you couldn't guess. So just skip way ahead to something else um, if you don't want to hear this, because there's no telling how long I'll be on this either. I can never... I could never accurately predict these things. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's, it's going to be heavy, spoilerific. If you haven't seen Loki, stop listening now. Go watch it. Come back. Enjoy the show. Build your life around Punkadelic Podcast. That is how it should be. Now, the episode begins with an overlapping audio sequence of many memorable lines from the many films in the MCU. We zoom out from Earth on the known universe to reveal a massive singularity. Nestled beside it is another singularity. We zoom in and continue to hear dialogue, but here's the thing. Zooming out, it's strictly lines from phase 1 through 3. When we zoom into the other singularity, it's only dialogue from the phase 4 Disney Plus series. I think the Loki series have hinted at twin universes layered near each other. How? Captain America. If my grasp of the multiverse is correct, when Cap stayed in the past, he created a splinter universe. There is a universe where Cap left to complete his mission of putting back the stones and was never seen again. Not even as an old man, and because of that, a new universe that was created. One that Cap now resides in. One that is now different from the one he left. They laid the rules of time travel in Endgame. Going back doesn't change the past, it only creates new futures. So now there are two versions of the MCU that are almost exact, except for a few little details. My belief is that secret wars will make these two universes collide. Bringing these new heroes together and start them off as adversaries. I hope to see more evidence in Loki Season 2. Too long didn't read. Loki hints that Phase 4 is in another universe entirely and it's all because Cap stayed in the past. Alright, well, not sure about the whole Captain America thing. That could be specious reasoning in a multiverse, time travel, time shifting, multiverse phasing uh, fiction like that. There can be any number of reasons for it or causes for it so i don't think we have to subscribe to the captain america thing although it's not bad it is not bad like 
But this whole thing about the audio, I mean, that is the sort of detail that they bury deep in there. They hint at these things so that whenever they do pull the rug out from underneath you, their whole social media team for a week can point back and go, 10 times the Marvel Universe actually showed you you were in an alternate universe and you were too much of a damn, dumb, stupid, pothead, hillbilly looking at the bright lights and the pretty costumes. They even fucking noticed it deep deep story things we've been doing here huh although look marvel it's not quite inception but it's not bad and surely now the race is on to do like is i mean is that what secret wars is i never read secret wars maybe i'll try and do that this weekend just to get up to speed because next two avengers movies are kang war and secret wars red kang war it's great i believe i blabbed about the whole plot and the ending of it on here recently so i shan't do that again but um secret wars don't know feel like they fight themselves uh surely the race has to be on now between dc and marvel to get the first uh superheroes versus dark versions of themselves on screen you know obviously we're moving into that sort of thing uh, a lot with the marvel universe right now but what i'm talking about is like um this has been dc's bread and butter for years they started this with is it uh, it's not identity crisis it's not final crisis one of the crisis comics right or one of the big big dc events uh saw them face off against or in a universe where there were evil versions of themselves so there was like owl man for batman ultraman was superman and fuck i'm drawing a blank on whatever wonder woman was fucking amazing girl i don't know but they've done that quite well there and then obviously that has been taken to the absolute nth degree in metal and death metal and you know i've seen comments online people saying oh dc is just creatively bereft but i've thoroughly enjoyed some of those and the the way that it allows for actually interest and tie-in comics that you want to read uh it's just a new spin on things you know you don't have to be a hater just because they're not doing something completely brand new now i do think the batman facing off against evil versions of himself is probably getting a bit overdone because that was the whole thing so after i think yeah after well don't quote me on the chronology of this but i think metal came out then death metal then last night on earth and last night on earth was just him facing off against another evil version of himself and it's like but we just did that so many times and so many ways how was i really truly supposed to be impressed by that so last night on earth brilliantly set up not super well carried home but what can you do it's a comic book uh so where were we what were we talking about yeah so surely the race has to be on to get that on the big screen first marvel's obviously closer way fucking closer so if that is what secret wars is listen i'm gonna go i'm gonna download right like i'm gonna fucking pirate proxy it up right now we're gonna get secret wars i'll do this over the weekend i haven't read a comic in a while oh no i'm telling lies i just read uh, volume 6, Batman New 52, and Volume 1, Justice League of America, which I didn't realize was different when I bought it, but there you go. Amanda Waller tries to set up a public-facing and known-about government-controlled Justice League to fight the real Justice League, and then the Justice League catches wind of it. But this is another one of these comics where they have three from one run and then one from another. So, like, the three come from a four-comic run, so it's like, oh, well, fuck me, I guess, then. I'll just never know how the Trinity War ends. 
So I don't know how that's an official volume of Batman, but or of anyway. I'm just saying. And the Batman comic I bought was a collection, an anthology of short stories or whatever. So I feel like it kind of got ripped off. But I would they buy them in a dollar store. So maybe that's on me. Secret Wars: History of the CIA. I'd actually love to do an episode of this podcast about all of the fucking horse shit that the CIA has been up to over the years. Even just thirty minutes reading into three things that they've done: MK Ultra. Uh, Operation Midnight Cowboy and um, the whole Oliver North thing. Like there you go, off the top of the dome. That could, that's an episode. See, this is how this podcast rolls. Okay, I think of something dumb as hell in about three seconds flat, and then I talk about it for an hour, and you all listen. So I don't know. Okay, here we go. More about Secret Wars is a twelve-issue comic book. Blah 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 blah. Secret Wars 2 was published in 86. Oh, this is that old? Who's involved for this? Who wrote and enjoyed? Or wrote and drew this? Okay, he's fucking happy now. It's downloading Secret Wars 1 and 2. So, 1984, what's the art going to be like in that? Is that going to be really cool or is that going to be a little golden age? Uh, bronze age, excuse me. Let's see, you know, I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths looks great, right? That's one I always wanted to own. I haven't read because I sort of want to have that one in front of me. Like, what I'll do is download this and put this into my tablet. So there you go. That's a whole bunch of thoughts on what Marvel are up to. You know, I think if DC could get their shit together, theirs might be better. But... Marvel have it, you know, on the slate already. So that's it. Let's see. Look forward. I look forward to reading that. That'll be something to do. Something to do when I'm not watching fighting this weekend. Is there? There's good UFC. What card is this coming up? Is this Robert Whitaker and uh, Marvin Vittori, or is this? I don't know. Hmm. I actually haven't got a clue. When Sandhagen song you don't. That's the one I'm excited for. Alright, so don't forget there have never been more ways to get in touch with Punkadelic Podcast. In every episode bio, you can send us a voice message and I swear one of these days I'm going to work out how to include that in the show here. You can get us on Instagram. Um, you can find us, you can listen to us now everywhere you need to. Uh, Spotify, Apple, CastBox, PocketCast, Stitcher, anywhere you get podcasts basically, it's out there. If you just want to go to Google and type Linktree Punkadelic Podcast, you're going to find links to everywhere you can listen to the show, like I just mentioned, the show on Reddit, the show on Letterboxd, where like sometimes I'll do two two sentence reviews of B-movies, you know, I try to get my hipster credentials up there, so there's a lot of old Kung Fu and 80s B-movies in there, so, you know, it's like, like oh, this guy's a Tarantino fetish, fetishist, you know, um, and also you'll find out on there, so you get links to the Instagram, links to everywhere you can listen to the show, links to our movie reviews, and, um, I hope I qualified that well by saying short movie reviews. We do all the long form stuff over here on the show. And there's also the 
buy me a beer where you can contribute financially to the show we're just running a small campaign right now uh to try and raise money to get a second microphone so we can start having guests on the show and hopefully that will be the start of a whole new epoch for the show epoch good word and you know please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to it uh if you're on spotify definitely please get the ratings coming in on spotify i see we've got 18 five star ratings so that's absolutely perfect thank you so much i see the listen count going up all the time so that is great thanks to everyone that listens you're supporting independent podcasts and you're doing something good for the community and of course do not forget that the very best thing that you can do for an independent podcast is just share a specific episode of it with someone that you genuinely think will like the topics covered in it that week and that's how we'll start to grow this shit so that's it there's never been more ways to get in touch with the show when you're under no obligation to do it at all the thing will continue no matter what we've got tons of ideas for good episodes coming up and there's been a bunch of good episodes recently um speedy fagan you're a dead man has almost cracked our top five episodes top five most listened to episodes and it's only been out for like a week um also in an episode that uh well you'll have heard it by now but uh, we revisit the story also in our what's that episode called i'm not sure right now i haven't produced it yet but we we revisit the story and so there is more to the tale of speedy fagan on punkadelic podcast look that up go back through the last couple of episodes also great game book episodes and freeway fighter has arrived in the mail we are going to be sitting down and getting to grips with that over the weekend perhaps a couple of beers might be appropriate before that maybe i will have mad max fury road on on silent in the background to set the vibes and that's it we're setting the vibes around here so we can set them for you in the headphones on the walk to work going to sleep at night i don't know how where or when you'd be listening or why you'd be listening to this podcast but there it is thanks for doing it that's it let's move on with the show let's talk about the pantera reunion so what's happening you know did we really truly think they were gonna let that just let that die it seems like the two more replaceable members of the band are there and predictably enough who's on lead guitar zach wild or as i like to call him sack wild because he's a sack of shit um never really had much love or time for zach wild i know that sounds like sacrilege but i'm just not really into it i don't think it's particularly cool you know there is a lot of very very fur criticism to be leveled there that he's an over player that there's like I don't know, what's with all the kilts and the, just there's a lot of image there to be stripped away and then when all of that's gone what is the music really saying a lot of the time so i really really feel like black label society stillborn is a great song but i don't i couldn't name you another that i like and um pride and glory seems to be the best thing he ever did as far as i can tell but we knew that was going to happen who else was it going to be come on who else genuinely who would you have wanted it to be perhaps uh mark morton from lamb of god but that's uh you know that's to say that he would want to do it would be capable of doing it etc etc you know i don't know feels like it you know lamb of god are never really that flashy with their guitars i mean the riffs are exceedingly complex for the first few albums but not so much anymore so i wonder if but is Pantera that complex? Well, I'm, well, I'm trying to think, is that all that shreddy lead stuff? But then, I don't know. I feel like a lot of these guys maybe cut their teeth on Pantera. Like Lamb of God are from Virginia. So, I don't know. 
I'm not super invested in Pantera anyway. It's just like huge, the hugest news in metal right now. Well, I mean, isn't there a Slipknot album coming out next month? Are we going to talk about a whole bunch of metal coming up? Yes, yes, of course we are. So this is just what it is. And it's also then the drummer from Anthrax, who I actually don't have any experience with listening to. So I don't know really how to comment that. Why the fuck did I bring this up? That was horrible. Maybe this whole bit will get cut in post. Fuck the Pantera reunion. Who cares? Okay, so the bulk of this episode i wanted to just ramble about music specifically what's coming out this year what's come out this year and it's been good already and there's just a glut of releases about ready to go i think the new muse album's out today we're going to be talking about that first then there's like big death metal albums coming out huge thrash metal uh, groove metal new metal classic metal reissues we've got old metal heroes releasing solo albums we've got uh, modern solo superstars releasing brand new stadium rock albums we've got older female blue stars there's a lot of stuff coming up here and then one of the greatest bands of all time has just put out a live album so we're going to get through it all let's start off with muse all right so let's look at the sweep of the career for a second here so muse i think had a real real high point with drones i know it wasn't everyone's favorite muse album but it rocked it had tons of drop d riffing on it there was that nine minute song with that really crazy riff part in it drones itself was a fantastic song uh, or excuse me am i thinking of reapers then obviously uh psycho was really like propulsive and like just awesome those bands in the riff were really really dirty you know it was muse doing a sort of a semi-concept album something they're great at and the live show was spectacular. They were in the round. They were on fire. The headline download. They were really, really, really cooking on gas at that point. And it worked. And it was, you know, the thing about Muse, like this is where I learned this word, was reviews of Muse and their music. Histrionic. So it's like over the top, excessive. And drones let them do that, even though, you know, he can't, I don't think that his falsetto is there anymore. Certainly hasn't used it on an album in a while, or perhaps I just missed it. But really, it feels like it's been absent. And, you know, with age, these things mature and change and whatever. So not too surprised about that. But, you know, you do miss it. It was one of the craziest voices in rock. And to think that there's a, a, a section of that now that he can no longer access, that's sad. But then... They fumbled the bag a little bit with the next album, Simulation Theory, which is 2000... Oh, I think that's 2018. So Muse go for like a synthwave aesthetic and vibe. And you think, wow, that'll work perfectly with his conspiracy nut. And, you know, the, the pop elements. Like if you've never heard Muse cover Duran Duran's Hungry Like the Wolf, you know, it's on Spotify. You should hear that shit. That's a really excellent cover um you know muse can be fun too it's not all about drones and capitalist society imploding and pompous orchestral inspired three-part mini symphony prog rock like there's a lot of fun to be had with muse but simulation theory just didn't do it i don't think just really for anybody there's a song all there called pressure that was great there's a couple of strong singles relatively strong like Dig Down is pretty good, but it's in a lower tempo, lower energy sort of register than they've used before. 
And was the synthwave stuff really that effective or was it more of an aesthetic they adopted? I don't really know. I think those are good questions that if you're a real music journalist or you're listening to a podcast with real music journalism on it, they could answer. But I just don't know. I just know it wasn't super for me. I'm a huge fan. It turned me off and I have not revisited it in a super long time. But that song Pressure is really, really strong day. So for that track, Pressure, they recruited the brass section that played on Stevie Wonder's Superstition. So they weren't fucking around there. And it's that album's version of Panic Station from the album before. If that means anything to you as a Muse fan. Well, if you're a Muse fan, that will mean something to you. And you'll know what I'm talking about. It's a funky little break in the electronic proceedings going on. But now, where are we at with Muse? It's 2022. They must have toured that album for a few years then. Obviously, there was no touring to be done for a while. So they've had a lot of time to work on this album. Yeah, tons of time to work on this album. Sit back, think about it, think what they want to do. And so, so you might be as surprised to hear this as I am to say it, but the two new singles from Muse's new album, which I believe comes out today, this is August 26th I'm recording this, have a pronounced, marked, noticeable, indisputable new metal influence in 2022 the aesthetic that muse are trying on is new metal now i'm personally all for it because it returns them to a bouncier rock sound that might get festivals going again like drones did in 2015 and be the best damn thing for their live show and just make things interesting for themselves again because i think there was a lot of mid-tempo stuff on simulation theory so i feel like muse are a band that you know, they'll draw things out, they'll do the prog, but they're having the best time when they're rocking out. So, you know, watch a few Muse live performances, tell me you don't agree. So, yeah, the two singles have a super new metal flavor. The album, I think, is going to be called Will of the People, which is like a classic Muse sort of doomy title. You know, what's it from? Will of the People. I mean, I guess that's just a phrase, right? thought maybe it was from like 1984 or something god knows it probably is i just haven't done a ton of looking into this this is all just going to be off the top of the dome my impressions from having listened to the singles or knowing the storyline building up to the album and how that peaks or does not pique my interest for it um i don't know as ever i have no idea if this is good content for you but this is what i want to sit down and talk about today so yeah, so Muse's album is called The Will of the People and the single is, Will of the People is one of the singles and it goes to the tune and the riff is incredibly similar to also Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People. It goes, the will of the people, the will of the people, sort of. I mean, I'm exaggerating that for comic effect, sort of, but it's not a million miles away and it it's too pronounced to not be a direct homage so fair fucks and then kill or be killed has a big riffy section towards the end don't know if the two tracks got me really super out of bed by themselves but i think it's a really really strong indicator that the album's going to go in a good direction i'm sure there'll be some weirdness in there i'm sure there'll be a ballad in there some things to slow down the flow of things but I'm very interested to see if they've gotten back to making a good rock album, possibly with a little bit of a concept. I mean, it seems like there's definitely a theme emerging here in the lyrics. Don't know that that definitely means it's going to be a concept piece, but we can hope to like a concept piece. Gives them something to dig into and also provides limitations. 
so i think it would be good all around excited for that album of course i'll probably listen to that tonight in full maybe we should get some uh hallucinogens in for that and uh, i just don't know if i'm confident enough in it being really 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 strong they did have that poor album so let's wait and see uh so that's muse putting out a new metal album what about revocation about to put out the most diabolical death metal album of their career so far revocation hit the scene with a blistering blend of thrash and death metal in about 2009 uh frontman david davidson so good they named him twice uh, is an extremely talented Berkeley jazz musician, Berkeley College of Jazz, is that Berkeley College graduate? So he's got like amazing chops, plays in jazz trios with like Alex Skolnick and stuff, and can just sit in with anybody, could hang with anyone, got the chops. And I love their crazy thrash death sound. It was just like everybody was just playing at 200 million miles an hour but they're still could settle into grooves you know it wasn't all death metal vocals there would be some gang chants they did a lot of things they had a little bit of prog going on then much to my chagrin and i've mentioned this before they adopted a straight death metal sound for their most recent album the outer ones which was a lovecraftian concept piece i think um managed to see them on that tour and they weren't playing anything from their thrash death period so that was upsetting for me but what can you do so that was a sci-fi cosmic sort of uh experience the outer ones with the lovecraft going on and this one they're talking about being more diabolical the new album's going to be called nether heaven i think it's out in a week or two we've got two singles from it already diabolical majesty and re-crucified so i'm always listening to their music i could barely listened to the last album because it was sort of so not not my scene you know i you can only do so much some death metal just doesn't hit your ear just right and but i tell you what the new singles are extremely interesting and it's just that musicianship throwing showing through again that you just almost don't even care that it's like unpalatable <laughs> unlistenable death metal because there's crazy things going on so what i'm noticing here in both tracks we get these huge two-part guitar solos and you're probably like okay what like uh there's always guitar solos in death metal but guitar solos in death metal can be like kerry king style you know just noise for the sake of noise but david davidson is seemingly taking his time to really really properly sculpt these so when i mentioned earlier on that they're coming in two parts because there's like a low slow build and then a really fast part that goes with a tempo change in the rhythm section. So he's definitely taken that approach to structuring and the architecture of a solo. So there's something interesting going on here in a way that did not capture me really at all with the last album. And also I particularly like how Recrucified has, so it has two guest vocalists, Trevor Strad, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm sorry, of the Black Dahlia Murder who committed suicide this year, rest in peace. And trevor is a trevor corpse grinder fisher the dude from cannibal corpse so uh like i wasn't immediately excited when i heard that news but i have to say again it's how it is orchestrated and how they arrange that and i think it really really works so it begins with dave doing his death growls which aren't super demonic or low or anything it's again sort of coming from like a thrash hardcore shouty but you know he's not bad and to be able to control your voice like that when he's playing the riffs that he's playing 
that is what got me into revocation. I couldn't believe it. This man could do all these things at once. It still blows my mind. He's an incredible musician. Um, probably loves craft beer. Probably be a good guest for this fucking podcast. Um, where was I going with all of that? Oh yeah, so Recrucified starts with Dave's vocals. Then we get into Trevor Drenad, who does um, like a mix of shrieking and the growly stuff, but he's like really, really talented at both. Not like saying David isn't, but then this is somebody who solely focuses on that. So it's like going from less diabolical to slightly more, you know, unworldly and monstrous. And then for the close out, I think there is a part where they all duet in there somewhere, but to close out, then it just goes to the total gutturalness of oh george corpse grinder fisher his name's george i believe that's not a really death metal name is it george fisher but you see why he had to add corpse grinder in there so that's it so it progresses in a sort of a increasing guttural intensity of the vocals and um you know it makes me feel smart when i notice things like that so that's it that is revocation i'm excited about that record i'm going to listen to it all um it's going to take forever. It's going to take a while to get past all the chaos and work out like where are the groovy parts that I like in here. But I'll always be blown away by Davidson playing, doing vocals in the manner that he does at the same time live. Awesome. Awesome band. If you want to check out the tune that got me into them, go back and check out Dismantle the Dictator from Existence is Futile. Alright, from the bowels of hell to the stages of North America, Europe and the rest of the world. What about Alter Bridge? Does anybody do it better in terms of stadium rock these days? I gotta say, I'm more excited about this band than I have been in a while now. I loved the album that had Show Me A Leader on it. Follow up didn't really grab me, Walk The Sky. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's a function of it not being that great or me not giving it enough time. I will of course... Uh, try to rectify my part in that so we can see if there is genius in there. I'm sure there is, but this seems to be shaping up to be a cracker of an album. Um, the album's called Pawns and Kings. It's out in September. It actually might not be out till October. Might have a while to wait on that one. We've got the title track out already, Pawns and Kings, and we've also got Silver Tongue. Uh, Pawns and Kings is more epic. It's six and a half minutes long, almost seven. It's long. It's got a bunch of different parts. Silver Tongue. Silver Tongue is much more upbeat, almost reminds you of some of their earlier albums, but there is very, very heavy riffing going on in there, almost reminiscent of a Tremonti album. Vocals all seem to be solid. They seem to be focusing on politics again, which was what carried the, I think, the Show Me A Leader album. You know, that carried, that was the theme that carried on through that album. The guitar fucking riffs carried the album. Some of the lead work on that one from... Tremonti was fantastic. So Alter Bridge, you know, one of the best bands doing it today. Go listen to Blackbird, the song, if you don't agree with me. Go listen to Rise Today, the song, if you don't agree with me. Go listen to Cry of Achilles. Go listen to Addicted to Pain. I'd say Alter Bridge's Fortress might be in my top three favourite albums of all time. It's almost perfect. And, you know, when you hear things about it, like for Fortress, Mark Tremonti just challenged himself not to use a wah pedal. So you're like, they're not even painting with their full palette on that one. So ridiculously talented you know miles kennedy what a singer what a guitar player tremonti what a singer what a guitar player scott phillips is a fabulous drummer listen to the uninvited from fortress if you want evidence of that and um damn the bass player's name escapes me but he is great too he's got a five string rig and he really makes his presence known at times um alter bridge are awesome like they are you know 
they exist in a world of modern metal where they're trying to do classic rock but that means that like a little bit of mastodon gojira like things like that sneak into the work you know they're always wearing those t-shirts so you know they're listening to it um super fascinating and now that miles kennedy has like a rock outlet with slash this is this can get this could get really metallic and i would absolutely be here for it but you know it'll be tempered by the occasional ballad beautiful love songs or songs about death and loss so alter bridge can do it all what a really quality band love them excited about this record do need to revisit the previous one that's on me i think more than them and um yeah i'm hyped about that if you're like a classic rock and metal fan and you don't know alter bridge please rectify that you owe it to yourself all right so what about a complete and utter th- what about a complete and utter and total 180 from a thrash metal god gone solo struck out on his own in a new direction kirk hammett with a four track ep this year called um portals and you fucking struggle to remember that one but very 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 interesting little ep tracks are all in around a six seven minute mark and there is little if any metal in here this is like soundtrack music for westerns and you know that's him really indulging his inner film nerd and it, it, the passion shows through there are actually rock parts there are parts that rock you know and um a great a great listen i reckon that, that would be a fabulous listen on hallucinogenics or um just you know smokeogenics if it's a weeknight so um not able to pick out tracks for you right now um they all kind of blend in for me and i've been listening to all of this stuff in a big playlist on shuffle i will post the link for you you can have access to my new music july playlist even though it is now the end of august it's been it's been a work in progress okay okay keeping it real keeping it real heavy through the next couple of releases lamb of god all right excited and I, I once excited and not excited about this album. Um, I didn't think Lamb of God's last album was anything special, but nor did I hate it. I just thought, wow, that's a good, solid album from them, but nothing that captured my attention in the ways that things on Resolution did, like Ghost Walking, um, Desolation, Straight to the Sun, the end of Desolation. That was a hell of a way to kickstart an album. Sturm and Drang I liked but it was insanely dark obviously because of what was going on with them at the time with Randy Blythe being arrested for murder uh you know that was pretty heavy metal but of course we all sympathized with him and he got off at that and I think we all breathed a collective sigh of relief on that one um it's just that here's why I'm not excited about this album the singles seem a little bit of the same as the last album just like same same you know if it ain't broke don't fix it and i think there are i think there is all the room in the world for bands like that in metal but i just wonder when something is gonna light a fucking fire under lamb of god again so let's wait and see if it happens maybe it happens elsewhere on this album i'm not quite sure but let me tell you why i'm excited about this they said that it was tracked live in the studio together and i think that that could probably benefit the overall feel of this album now I just want to reserve judgment until I hear this one in full. I think it'll be solid. I think it'll be another 7 out of 10 at the least. But there's always potential for them to do something special. They really grab us. But let's wait and see. There's a lot of talented guys in that band. They may or may not all coalesce and pull it out of the bag. 
But I'll be watching out for that one intently. That'll be awesome. They've already got, for my money, maybe the song of the release of the year so far when they released a cover of Megadeth's Wake Up Dead with Dave Mustaine. And I don't know, something just about, I think it's just about the guitar tones or maybe it's just a slightly different, more sloppy, groovy feel. Maybe it's a couple of added pinch harmonics. I'm not quite sure what really gets me going about it, but that cover of Wake Up Dead is almost assuredly going to be my most played song this year. I can have that on anytime. And honestly, if they just wanted to team up with Dave Mustaine and cover a whole bunch of old Megadeth tunes, I would be so on board. So speaking of Megadeth, they are also going to bless us with a new album next. And we've got three singles from that one to break down and get into. So let's get right to it. Pocket Attic Podcast is a podcast about the things that make life worth living. All that good stuff you already know. This is just it. I'm back. I had to take a break after the last recording session. And now, honestly, like two thirds of these albums have come out now. So uh, this isn't much of a music preview for you but so much as me just talking about three different songs off a bunch of 11 track albums but on we must plow what was i saying i think last time i was on here the major thing that i was saying or where i left off excuse me was uh was with lamb of god and i hope i was saying nice things i think what i was really getting to there was that i think that this is going to be another solid dependable 7.5 out of 10 album from them however just heard the latest single from that album Grayscale, very good, a lot darker. And I've been re-listening to Omens, and I think it's actually a bit more of a rager than I was giving it credit for. So that's it, and that's that. On with the show. Who next? Alright, so this album has come out, and to my eternal shame, I haven't even been able to listen to it in full yet, but this is one of my most anticipated releases of this year. And it's another band that we got to sort of look at the sweep of a long and very career to really put this in context. So please, it would be my pleasure to tell you a short history of Megadeth. So yada yada, Dave Mustaine was in Metallica. It does not matter. What matters is the music, okay? What matters is that in 1986, when Metallica were busy releasing Master of Puppets, Dave Mustaine was releasing Peace Cells by Who's Buying? And, you know, that's like top three Megadeth records, incredible, changing thrash metal, making it more dangerous, making it faster. That was half his MO with the first Megadeth record was, you know, just faster than Metallica, reclaim my songwriting and speed it up. And then from there, like, don't let me no sell you on Peace Sells, but who's buying? It's fabulous. It's just not my favorite. But it's one of the albums that is absolutely a high point, one of the defining one of the defining albums of thrash metal, an archetype, and just a really aggressive, like percussive, rhythmic version of thrash. There's not like, there's a lack of an anthemic quality that I would say most of Metallica's music has. So you got to let that go. You're probably not always going to walk away from Megadeth songs having the lyrics in your head or like singing the chorus hook. But as musicians, they are the thinking man's crumpet of thrash metal and when it gets to 1981 but when we get to 1981 with Megadeth we're releasing the Rust in Peace album we've got Marty Friedman on lead guitar Dave Ellison on bass and Nick Menza on drums and it's an unparalleled lineup in thrash history like absolutely unprecedented unheralded never bettered 
So the thing about Rust in Peace, really, if you want to just get down to it, is that it's the second best thrash metal of all. The thing about Rust in Peace, if you want to get down to brass tacks about it, is that it's the second best thrash metal album, absolutely, of all time. You always sort of just have to give the nod to Metallica's Master of Puppets, credit where credit's due. And it was very, it is still very, very much a thrash album, no matter what they would go on to later do. But the point being is I don't ever let someone fucking tell you that that Metallica run away with that decision. Like, you know what I mean? That is a, that was a, that's, there's, you you could barely fit a fucking knife in between those two albums in my head. Like, have you heard Rust in Peace? It opens with Holy Wars. It has, uh, it has Hangar 18. It has Sweatin' Bullets. It has Poison Was the Cure, the most underrated thrash song in fucking history. Like, that is just a band souped up on drugs, going balls to the wall. And, like, it, it will fucking shoot me, right? Take me out the fucking back and shoot me, but... Isn't that what the whole fucking point of thrash metal was? Let's get fucking crazy. It's like, well, you know, we like uh, Iron Maiden and shit, and we also, but we also really like Motorhead and the Sex Pistols, so let's just fucking have those two have a baby, and this'll be it, like, and we'll record the fucking screaming noise that that baby makes, and I'll be thrash. And so, excuse the fuck out of me if this is too simplistic or whatever, but... That album fucking goes. It goes like the fucking clappers and it breaks down brilliantly over. I must break down. Look, I'm not saying that I know from personal experience, but I'm just telling you I'm intimately familiar with this album and like it must break down beautifully into two sides of vinyl. Like whether or not poison is poison was the cure is the closer of one side or the opener of other. Either way, it's so strong and so underrated that it's nuts. I mean. Just imagine being able to play that fast. It's bonkers. Then imagine being being able to, you know, just it's one of those ones where it's like, how the fuck did all of this chemistry line up just at once? And then it has Tornado of Souls is on there, like well, 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 well within its fucking rights to argue its case as it being one of the best metal guitar solos of all time. Marty Friedman just doing crazy things, you know. So, so, so talented. I believe there's also a whole bunch of Marty Friedman solo records for you to dig your teeth into. Um, I really only sort of found out about that this year. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I've just been plundering, uh, not even Megadeth's back catalogue, but really, this three album run they would go on here. Peace Sells, But Who's Buying, Rust in Peace, and Countdown to Extinction is just... It's unheralded. It's it's bananas. It's I'm lost for words, but it's incredibly effective thrash metal. The songwriting, the musicianship, how it all comes together, the changing it up, the progressive touches and flourishes, um, wildly entertaining. And you know, with Megadeth, you're you're accepting all of this virtuoso musicianship at the expense of the vocals, of course. But you know, you take the rough with the smooth and. Once you get your head around it, you'll realize that this is this is some of the most potent metal that has ever been created. And I will not hear any arguments. I don't want to know. Megadeth of the fucking shit. So after that three album run, they lose their way a bit. And they try to do the Metallica and slow down. And it stinks. So then they're locked into a sort of a cycle for a while of releasing... Like anthologies and B-sides collections and then comeback albums, you know, it's like just those couple on repeat. And there's lineup shake-ups and then in like 2000, the early 
noughties. They get in this incredibly boring guitarist called Chris Broderick, who didn't do good things for them as a full band. And then they eventually get to uh, Super Collider, another attempt to slow down. And like fans are just getting indifferent to their albums at this point. And, you know, just they're just like a greatest hits band out there wandering the stages like zombies. But then, flash forward 2016, big shake up. Broderick, born ass Broderick, out on his ass. Take that shit back to Machine Head or wherever the fuck you came from. Eight finger tapping in Megadeth. Learn how to fucking downstroke. You know what I'm saying? And in comes Kiko Lerero, Brazilian from a Brazilian power metal band. Um, and back in with Dave Ellison. Finally, the Ellison bass sound is back in Megadeth. And then on drums, who announced but Chris Adler from Lamb of God, the best modern thrash metal drummer that there is. No arguments can be taken against that one either. I mean, there might arguably be technically better, but like in terms of impact, in terms of signature style, in terms of sound, in terms of how he moves into other bands, like this thing with Megadeth and just elevates them instantly. Don't, I won't break any more arguments like that. So, you know, the best modern thrash drummer, I'm not putting them up against prog drummers or anything, but you know, take my meaning here, folks. Take my meaning. Go with my. And this is a return to form. It's blistering. It's got leads all over the place the drumming is obviously outstanding the songwriting's back in place and it does harken back to the rust in peace countdown to extinction era which is a good thing so now we're approaching the release of the follow-up and we've had tons of in-band drama and the long and short of that is that this new album will not feature dave ellison on bass it will feature um steve DiGiorgio from testament and now in the live band is james lomenzo of some of the 90s, noughties, Megadeth lineup. So, what are we expecting here? How do the singles sound? Is the anticipation as high as it would have been without Allison? These are all questions that I am just about to answer. So, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead is now out. Um, I haven't listened to it in full just yet. I am waiting for the perfect opportunity to get it all right, have the right setup, have the right weed, etc. And I'm super excited for it because the three singles are all super strong. First off, the release will be back. Very fast, thrashy. People even complaining about the simplicity of the riffs in it. Uh, just all about atmosphere, you know, will be back. That's a statement of intent. And they are back. So that's a great one. Check that one out then. In with Night Stalkers, which is another very fast thrash number, but has like a bass break in it, an iced tea spoken word portion. And, you know, that's this is Megadeth cooking on Dave Mustaine's favourite conspiracy theory lyrical themes so then we get soldier on which slows it down a little bit but not as slow as those bogus albums they released i mean just a little bit of foot off the pace so some lead work can shine through that third single is called soldier on and i honestly think it might be the strongest of the three so i am extremely excited to hear the album um if any of these albums takes me so much i will do you know a full punkadelic review 40 minutes getting into the in and outs of it all but for right now, we're just going to be talking about singles. Um, yeah, so that's out. I'm just waiting for the perfect excuse to hear it. You should check it out if you like metal, uh, you like thrash, you like Metallica, and you think that Metallica are still, you still think that Metallica are better than Megadeth, then, you know, try and grow up a little here and get on, get on board. So, from one giant metal entity to another, and this is the fact that Slipknot's going to have a new record out in a matter of, a matter of weeks. I think it's the end of this month. Um, I think the singles are kind of a, a, a 
positive mixed bag. It's a mixed bag of things. There's different tempos. There's different sort of textures. They're messing about with song structure as usual, but there are some parts that just rock and stomp, and you can see the nine of them going bats to on stage perfectly in your mind. So I think that this is going to be good, but I just I, I can't just can't help but wonder like, is there something? Is there something big going to come from these guys? Now, like, can't, is the best that this album can hope for just to be to hark back to former glories and try and recapture some of that? But when you think about this as a band with the budget that they have, with the, with the live spectacle that they can generate with that budget, you know, they could do something really, really special. And like, I know, I know I've been speculating about it on here and, um, probably other people have as well, but like, is there going to be something, some huge payoff when they finally get out of this Roadrunner contract? This is the last album signed to Roadrunner Records, and then they're just completely free to do their own thing. Like, w- what is going to happen? That is the most interesting question. It's sort of like when you're journalizing, trying to journalize, when you're a, a shitty amateur MMA journalist, and all you seem to do is want to talk about the next fight. But just in this case with Slipknot, it's super interesting. I believe that this will be a good album. I think that this is going to be 7 or 8 out of 10. I'm just not certain anything on the two on the three singles is like anthemic and it, at least the last album did start with start its cycle with Unsainted as the single which put a super positive spin on it. But this like the Chapel Town rag came out so long ago and it's weird and it's got jungle beats at the start but I think it's all going to come together on the album. I think that this is going to be a good one. Again, I just don't know if they've done anything truly brilliant in a while. I'm trying to think about the last couple of albums. I mean, I do love Unsainted, but I thought All Out Life was really a better choice, and they didn't even include it on the album. Do they play it live? Need to look into that. But anyway, like hotly anticipated, don't get me wrong, just... There's interesting questions when you put it into context. Uh, what else is coming out this year? Let's talk about it on Punkatelic Podcast. Uh, Dio's Holy Diver is getting a reissue by Joe Barisi, who's a famous modern metal producer. I've heard him and it sounds great. I don't really think that that album really needed much remastering, but, you know, God go with them. It's great. And I'll be sure to listen to the whole thing when it comes out. Next up. Dream Widow. So Dream Widow is the fictional band from the Foo Fighters horror movie Studio 666. So, um, tragically, it's obviously then also one of the last things that Taylor Hawkins would have played, Taylor Hawkins, excuse me, would have played on. And no, I have not watched any of the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert from London yet, but I am super interested to make no mistake. We will do that very, very soon and bring an update and thoughts, whatever else to, uh, Punkadelic Podcast. Make no mistake. Um, yeah, so Dream Widow, I haven't heard this album yet. I'm just going to level with you. I, it's As a nerd, I can't until I've seen the movie. I had it downloaded. I saw half of it, fell asleep, and then I had to delete it to make space, or somebody was copying it from me, but they you know, cut instead of copy. I don't know what the fuck happened here, really, to be truthful with you. Lead single, March of the Insane, is fucking sick. Get after that, and I believe, I mean, I, uh, I, I believe that's the tone of the album. It's kind of like Probot. It's going to be, it's Dave Grohl, so it's going to have Motorhead worship, right? But like, as metal nerds, aren't we all really in some small way just looking at this as Probot Part 2? A Probot concept album? Fucking fantastic. I'm not really sure if there's many guest spots on it, but I'd imagine there's a few, um, bound to be worth checking out i just as i say as a nerd as a completist i can't listen to the album until i've seen 
the context. So excuse me, I'm sorry. All right, Charlie Griffith, and his album is called something real stupid. No offense, Charlie. I don't even know who you are, to be honest, but your album came across my path. He's the guitarist in some prog metal band. Maybe the Faceless. Maybe some deathcore band. I don't know. But this album is super fucking prog. It's weird. It's like got heavy vocals in some places. It's just it's just got a lot going on. He's obviously a virtuoso guitar player. And if you're into like the Mastodons and the um peripheries and other modern prog bands, you know what I'm talking about. Like prog bands, like Tool, like all the like all that shit. Um Sorry, I'm trying to type this cunt's name into my phone and I'm fucking spelling it wrong and I'm freaking out and I should just focus on one at a time. Uh, here we go. What's this album called? Tiktalika. T-I-K-T-A-A-L-I-K-A. So there you go. What a word. But very good. I think it's a concept about like the dying earth or a dying sci-fi earth. Like listen to the song titles here. Prehistoric Prelude. Arctic Cemetery. Dead in the Water. Digging Deeper. Under Polaris. So you know, very prog. Especially if it is a concept, especially if it is like an eco warrior album, um, that's super pro, super fucking modern pro since Gojira made it fucking super popular. Yeah, that's a cracker. So that's like that's one for your more music nerds. That's more like shreddy. That's but not like not like this tasteful shred, like shred prog. Um, I'm doing a real, real, real bad job of describing this album. I'm doing it a dis- disservice, and I do apologize. But I'm higher than Giraffe Pussy today, so I do apologize. I do have a whiskey and Diet Coke here to try and bring me back down a little bit. But again, whiskey and Diet Coke might not be the way to get sense in the Big D. But we go on, we move on. I'm telling you, though, check out that Charlie Griffith album. There's a bunch of, like, really harsh vocals on it that I don't super care for but it's like an album that really mixes it up i think there's blast beats on certain parts i might have heard a rumor that he played every um instrument on the album himself so i just i don't know a lot about this dude but i was very very impressed with his album so that's that i'm sorry i don't have more information for you on that one this isn't the best researched podcast in the world like like what no lies, is it? Have you ever heard something well-researched on this podcast? Well, the odd time we do get a fucking bee in our bonnet, but I think that might be, like, latent autism or something. So, right, here we get to a big one. And again, this album's out, but I haven't heard it in full yet. But the two singles are mega. And that's Ozzy Osbourne. The Prince of Darkness is fucking back. Okay, so, again, we need a... I know I'm repeating myself on this, and you're probably fucking sick of it, but... Yeah, I have to put this album in context. Like, what the fuck do we have any right to expect from an Ozzy Osbourne album in 2022? Absolutely nothing. So we do need to take everything with a grain of salt here. We do need to understand this is going to be heavily produced. But, you know, like, this podcast doesn't mind a bit of sheen and a bit of polish. You know, when that is the goal and it's done well, then it kicks ass. Good production is not something to ever be ashamed of. Like, this isn't a, a punk rock or black metal solely... Like, this isn't punk rock or black metal lo-fi podcast like fuck all that noise like the burzum you know put one microphone in the middle of the room and record all instruments just around it at once like that is what like i guess it's just like no wave production so i i i, I get it all right but it's not for me I'm a big bunch of gloss like we already talked about alter bridge here tonight like it's like a good lick of gloss if that's what they're gonna do Def never built a fucking career on it so that's what we're going to get from Aussie here, alright? And in a way, this is what we've been getting from the start. Like, you know, 
Blizzard of Oz is pitch perfect. So is the follow-up. Um, excuse me. Oh, brain fart. Uh, no, no, no. We're now moving on. Diary of a Madman. So, what are we going to get here? Well, we're going to get a Sharon Osbourne album with Ozzy on vocals. Well, not really, but we'll have Ozzy probably writing and contributing to the vocals, doing his very, very best to sing, and then having it polished up by super producer Andrew Watt. In the band, we've got Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers. We've got Duff McKagan on bass. We've got um, Jeff Beck playing guitar on one of the lead singles, and Tony Iommi playing lead guitar on the other lead single. So, you know, I guess for the rest of the album, Andrew Watt's going to handle all of that. And that was no bad thing. Ordinary Man was such a solid album. So... But this one, as I say, with those massive guest spots up front, you know, the fucking godfather of heavy metal, Tony Iommi, right there, teaming up with the Prince of Darkness, and then Jeff Beck, which I thought was like, I mean, it makes so much fucking sense when you hear it. It's actually fantastic. It's a seven minute, 20 long, like Jeff gets to do, get, Jeff gets a real workout, like gets it in, you know, gets his steps on that tune, and um, it's actually, yeah, it's a fucking really cool song, and there's kind of like a, a nice intro that will probably be part of the live show and yeah and it's not typical you know it's not sabbath worship it's not aping anything really aussie's done before it's yeah it's cool it's it's a cool track there you go so you see like having andrew watt on production is no bad thing i don't think so and then the other single degradation rules has tony iomi and there's those big fucking slow Godzilla taking out a skyscraper in terms of their impact riffs and it's it, it, it it's it's uh, it's vital it's like vitalized guitar playing you know it's fabulous to hear Tony Iommi still doing his thing in 2022 and you know so built off those I have high expectations for the album um, I'm not sure if there's any more guest spots to unearth there and I'm not looking it up right now because we've got too much to do tonight there's still so much music to get to and there's still a blockbuster walloper watch and then I want to sit the fuck down and immediately record my fucking The Queen Is Dead episode and maybe even get a game book episode in today today is going to be a big day for Punkadelic Podcast I've decided so really I'm very very excited for the Aussie album Aussie and Megadeth Slipknot Revocation like, this has been a hell of a month for it. Like, I mean, the summer had fuck all, and now it's just all at once. I think Lamb of God and Alder Bridge are first week in October. So here is an interesting one. Now, I didn't expect to be coming here and having this conversation when I got up this January, but one of the albums of the year for me so far, and I imagine it'll feature in my list at the end of the year, although, there's, a, as we say, there's a glut just about to come out. But as I say, I'm surprised to say this, and that's Jack White's Fear of the Dark. I think Jack White's solo career has been a little bit mixed. I think there's been times where it's been hipster to a fault. Now this seems to be adopting a much simpler, louder, boomier, harder rock style. Like a garage blues, still there, obviously, but there's space echo riffs, pitch-shifted riffs, and the drummer is the star of the show, so it's like a duet between them each time. He is, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, uh, but he's the drummer for Nas, and he really gets a workout on this album. Like, it, it, the fills and stuff are pushed to the fore a whole lot. There's drum breaks, and there's even a hip-hop tune, really, with some guy from Tribe Called Quest on it, and uh, is it Q-Tip? Uh, hip-hop, not 
is not my strong point but it's a cool track a cool album i did not i've had I've played it through a bunch of times i was at the live show and you know that's what prompted me to really get into and listen to this and i've just been so impressed and i think you will be too well 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 worth your time jack white 2022 who would have thunk it all right next up coming back to the fucking scene the Riffmeisters, the duo royal blood now can royal blood rebottle lightning who knows but never have they put out a really bad song do i believe um typhoons was a cool album i really loved the lead single on that one and a uh, single from this one honey brains is i think excellent but lacking a strong enough chorus to make it the little monster and, and you know little monster as i always say is no one knows for a new generation so you know high fucking praise come on and i think no one knows is the second best song of the naughties i mean we all know what number one best song in the naughties is there's no debate surely and that's the darkness i believe in a thing called love so too important too cultural can't be assailed royal blood yes they're back and i expect big things put it simply there's going to be probably 10 tracks in this album they'll probably adopt some new textures because the duo i guess have to keep it interesting for themselves last album it was uh disco little electronic some female backup vocals so wonder what we're going to get this time um and yeah honey brains is a good single that's all i got for you on that one another quick hitter here it's going to be a new album from orianthi here orianthi writes anthemic like power pop but it's heavily, heavily blues influenced, but she can also shred. And, you know, she was a guitarist in Michael Jackson's band, played with Alice Cooper for a while, and dated Richie Sambora for a while. So very, very cool. Tons of blues rock pedigree. The single called Light It Up is fun as fuck. And, like, is a sort of, like, straight away, that should be played at hockey games. That's no insult, you know? So, yeah, I think that's going to be cool. I think, as always, I think that's going to be worth a listen. There's probably going to be an acoustic ballad on there. There's probably going to be maybe a guest spot from a shredder, maybe a shred instrumental just by the girl herself. And then the rest will be solid blues rock with fucking shit hot solos. So, yeah, not even a little bit mad at it. One of the better releases this year that I've already heard that's already out is Easy Top Live in the Studio, the last thing that Dusty Hill ever recorded before he died. Dude, they sound insanely good. Even and especially, I think, on the 80s stuff. But this is extremely raw. It's the three of them in the studio. There are no synthesizers. There are no drum machines. There are no video screens. There are no furry green high roller spinning guitars. There's no choreographed moves. This is very much a three-piece blues band just settled down, settling down to make the stew. Like, it is... It kicks ass. I... Don't ever let me catch any of my listeners ever turning their nose up at ZZ Top as like a dad band or something because you have never heard one of the more important blues rock bands of our time properly, if that's your opinion. And I would love to open your ears to it. So please, this would be a great starting point, to be honest. This really, really would. And then, uh, yeah, like you're, you're, everyone's peripherally familiar with a little bit of ZZ Top, but you dig in just a little bit and it's a, it's a rich, rich fucking gumbo. They brew it up well. That's a hell of a release. I can't I can't praise it highly enough. And, you know, they might not even be done. I think uh, Dusty Hill's guitar tech, like one of his dying wishes was for the band to go on with the guitar tech in place, the bass tech, whatever. Excuse me, shoot me, whatever. Fuck me, I guess. I'll just go kill myself for getting that wrong. Shut the fuck up, imaginary haters. Have I made my point there? Is it okay to move on? Like, 
that's one of my releases of the year by far. If you're a vinyl nerd, that w- that must sound huge. If you're a vinyl nerd that already owns CZ Top Live in the Raw and you live in Vancouver, can I come over and hang out, please? Um, we're about to get a new Helicopters album, and I don't really know what that's worth these days. Um, the single doesn't truly get my dick hard, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, like, again, in terms of the grander sweep of their career, that their first album is gutter punk garage rock filth scuzz rock sleaze it's perfect it's called super shitty to the max and it's part of that swedish you know the rock and roll the sleazy groovy that was the counterpoint to the previously established death and black metal movements oh it's just perfect when you understand the sweep of history and how metal has progressed over time and how every so often there's a rock resurgence to try and combat overbearing trends it's just it's a beautiful thing to watch when it pans out into masterpieces like this album super shitty to the max masterpiece will the new one be a masterpiece who knows i'll leave it to you to find out i'll be checking in on the album at some point and uh, as ever if it's you know if it fucking knocks me out i'll be telling you don't make no mistake that's why I hesitate to call this a comedy podcast is because I just like I need somewhere I can get sincere about this music too because like I fucking cop me I bleed fucking rock and roll like so what am I supposed to do with all this information if not just try and share it so here we go moving on who's next all right orthodox this actually is a bit of a weird one so to the very best of my abilities as a journalist I would describe this as modern new metal extreme metal influenced they take it a little bit further, they go a little bit harder, it's a little bit less palatable, a little bit less groovy. There's no obnoxious hip-hop, or there's no obnoxious hip-hop breaks, nor any obvious hip-hop influence. And I do always think that, the you know, people talk about new metal, they talk about the down-tuning, they talk about the... Uh, angsty emotional white guy lyrics but like are we talking about the hip-hop influence because that is pronounced and don't forget that 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 was those two scenes crossing over you know we we trace it back through um aerosmith and run the mc anthrax bring the noise rage against the machine all these things happen in quick succession you know none of them happen in a vacuum do we finish talking about orthodox it's a weird it's new metal it's 2022, it's good, it's extreme, it's heavy, it's not like a super pleasant listen, but I listened to it through a few times and I will go back to it. So, there you go. I, I, I listened to it in such a circumstance that I wasn't like picking out individual songs, I'm sorry, I couldn't name you any of the songs from it right now, so I won't try. To be honest, I couldn't even name you the album. If it's not self-titled, then I don't know. If you want research like that, listen to fucking Dan Carlin. Okay? The Cancer Bats have a new record out, or on the way, and we've got singles from them, and it's, uh... I don't know, it just... They're... I, I just... I'm, I'm so convinced that the album... Well, the name escapes me now. Shit! Too much or not enough whiskey. The Cancer Bats album that has Road Sick and Bricks and Mortar on it, I just believe is going to be their career high point forever. I don't think they're going to top that. People might disagree with me. I don't know. I might be wrong. I'm open to all possibilities there, but that's my far, like by far fucking favourite of their records. That's not to say that they've ever made a truly bad one. That's not to say that what we want 
more than anything from them on a is just to have two strong singles on an album and it to slot into a really good set list because the cancer bats are just always on tour you just always have an opportunity to see them they just don't stop so for this album uh, where are we where are we located in history with this album well this is the first album without their talismanic guitarist scott middleton a formidable presence on the stage and on the record always with ton of respect for Scott Middleton as a guitar player, I think that the pinch harmonics, sludge metal influence, things that he was doing in Cancer Bats brought them sort of their own sound, made them kind of genre agnostic, but I mean, straddling four five genres, you know, sort of at once, and just keeping it interesting, I thought he was extremely talented, I was a big fan, and I don't know if they're going to recapture the new magic, I... I think all the new singles are fine, but I'll be interested to see if there's something special about the album or not. Not sure. Don't know. Interested to find out. Don't know if that's of any use to you, but there you go. Letting you know because you might not know. Alright, now, this all got added to the list very, very last minute. I'm not too up on this at all, but I'll give you I'll, I'll give you the fucking bare bones of the situation. Dude. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Just sit down for a second, and let me tell you something. This year, we're getting a new Nickelback album, and word on the street is, it's very heavy. So that noise you can hear is fucking directions all across the globe, because people that know what's up know that that's going to be fucking fantastic if that's true. Like People are throwing around the word metalcore. Like that is bananas, but it, God go with them if they're going to do that. I think it's I think it's past fucking time, to be quite honest. And there's like uh, you know, don't never forget. There's also like a swamp grunge fucking phase at the start of Nickelback. What's that album called? Oh, I'll never remember right now. But one of their early albums is cool as fuck, and it's it's not metalcore, you know. It's but it is heavy. Anyway, I am. Well fucking excited for that one. If you're not, then fuck you. You're probably no friend of joy if you don't like Nickelback. So why don't you suck my dick and stop listening to this podcast. And then last but not least on this list, we're just about to get a new Clutch album. Clutch and Ever are not really one of my favourite bands, but I don't think I've ever heard them put a foot wrong. Or, you know, I think the media kind of sucks their cock a bit hard. But I bet you this will be a solid, dependable 7 or 8 out of 10 album that you can get your rocks off to if that's your thing. Very straightforward driving blues rock for the most part but cool you know very cool solemn live once their drummer plays on the smallest kit imaginable the mob goes wild and electric worry are massive singles so never doubt that the talent is there um and maybe they'll do it apparently this is one of their shortest albums so i don't know if that just means that they're putting a real effort into concise songwriting or it's just shorter by track number but i'll give that a go i'll absolutely give that a go i'll always give a clutch record a go but um they just, they just never wrote a better song than Electric Worry. But fucking hell, what a good song to have written in the fucking first place. So that's it. That's my music roundup. These are the things that I'm weighing up for. Al- that I will be weighing up for album of the year. Who knows what it's going to be? There could be a left field entrance entrant. There could always be a left field entrant. I could find some fucking prog band that nobody's ever heard of. There could be a live release from like Guthrie Govan's side project or some shit. Like you know, like you fucking know me. There's no guarantee that this list is going to stay in shape. There's no guarantee that my albums of 2022 episode is going to come out in 2022. Let's be honest, because, like, 2021s didn't come out in 2021, so, you know, but when we get to it, we get to it. And that's it, and that's that. Stay black.
oh wait no sorry when the podcast isn't over um because of course if you don't know now you know person it's time for the best segment in podcasting it's whatever watch they live in your community get the fuck out they comment on your posts their parents feel them they are wallopers What's up, Punkadella fans? You're very welcome back. Uh, if you've been on a show before, you'll know the show, like the show, um, you'll know what happens around this time. This is Walloper Watch, and this is where we just simply despair of the things that people write online. You know, it, it's it's silly. You know, it's dumb. It's stupid. We shouldn't get. I shouldn't get annoyed about any of this, but I, it just it says something about the human condition. I think that like. For a brief moment in these people's lives, like, there is nothing else going on, and it's so empty, that writing these comments that I'll read to you is the most important thing, and some of them take a lot of work, as we're gonna see tonight, some of these take a lot of work, so it's just like, you know, there's a lot of fucking sad, possibly deranged people out there, and they're all out of vote. And they're all allowed to drive. And so, does this podcast support the selective taking away of human rights? I'm going to have to be very honest here and say, yes. So, that's what it is. And here we're going to get into it. This is a post from Facebook. And this is a long one. This is a veritable novella of a walloper. <clears throat> but we'll uh, we'll go through and we'll go through this. And you tell me if you think this happened. Yesterday, I was on a flight by myself. Rare, because I normally have my hunk of a husband beside me. I get, it's a lady, by the way. I get nervous traveling alone, because I get recognized a lot. And sometimes it can feel weird when people looking at me take pics of me and talking about me like I can't hear. Wacky face emoji, with a sideways smile and different sized eyes. Well, yesterday I was very aware of the man in front of me who kept looking back at me. And then he did the classic pull his phone out and hold it up real high and zoom in to take a selfie of me as if I couldn't see it. Upside down smiley face. That is a very awkward moment. Crying, laughing, rolling sideways face. I of course thought he was just doing that because he recognised me. That's definitely not the first time that's happened. When the flight ended he walked up to me and he said, I fly all the time. I've seen a lot on airplanes, but I've never seen anyone studying a Bible. I had to get a picture. God bless you. Wow, it kind of shook me. I felt bad for assuming what he was doing, but was amazed to hear the reason why he stopped to get a pic. He had no idea who I was, who I was as in quotation marks completely incorrectly. He was just amazed the Bible was out in the open being read and underlined. It made me kind of sad that this man who travels all the time had never seen that before and that the Bible was shocking enough to whip out his phone and get a picture of someone reading. There are many, many places in the world you can't pull out your Bible in public to read and I'm thankful I am able to do that. I bring my Bible pretty much anywhere I would bring my purse with me. It makes me feel so secure and confident. Odd, those are not the words I would use to describe you. It reminds me of who I am what my purpose is, and how to love people well. 
I guess I just wanted to post this because there is a scripture in Judges right after Joshua that says, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. That seems crazy, but when I look around I'm starting to see how that could happen. I hope it's not that shocking to see a Bible out. I encourage you church to not sleep on this generation. Alright Karen, take a fucking day off will you? Balloon. Someone come and get your anxious out here drinking again. Tell the doctor they need to up her blues fast. Here we go from uh, Reddit. Disney has chosen to go down a path I choose not to go. Cancel the cancel culture. Reply. One of my close friends which I hung out with when I was a kid well after his parents took them on vacation and stayed at Disneyland. After they returned he and his two sisters went on a killing spree which left 17 people dead. During the ensuing trial all three could only state Mickey made us do it. I know what I witnessed but you be the judge. Reply, when did this horrible crime happen? And the reply to that is, right after they returned from Disneyland. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, there is no newspaper link or anything to hold that together. So, uh, as the man says, you be the judge. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Okay, here you go. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that we've identified some sub-genres of wallopers. And one of our favourite has to be on the EDC Reddit. These people that are carrying around stuff in their pockets every day. And there's a lot of crossover with like the knife community, which are psychos, obviously. The flashlight community. And that's where we're going right now. The flashlight community. <clears throat> so what happens if the lights go out? And if you say you'll use your phone light, just know that's the wrong answer. So then one person writes back, does your phone not work when the power is out? Question mark. And then this light nerd, this flashlight nerd, oh it does. But the LED in your phone was designed for a single purpose and guess what? That purpose is not to be a flashlight. It's a high CRI, low efficiency emitter, which is meant for flash photography. Your phone is meant for crucial communication and I don't enjoy limiting my access to that in a power outage by using it as a power hungry, dim, ineffective light source. I prefer to instead carry a small, lightweight aluminium cylinder which is several orders of magnitude better at the job of emitting light than your comms device. All right, Bob Marley, what the fuck crawled up your hole? Like, do you understand? You are not cool. You suck. You're on the internet writing about fucking flashlights. They say over 50% of the internet is porn. And somehow this man has managed to not contribute to that at all. Bananas. Okay, I'm fairly certain this guy is not really a walloper. But I just thought that this was noteworthy. Okay, so this is posted into the Vancouver subreddit. Headline, Anal Laser Hair Removal. Serious question, man with hurry nether region. Anyone have experience with a clinic in the lower mainland or have any recommendations? So I just don't know, you know. Trying to outsource your choice of anal hair removal laser clinic. Something about that rubs me the wrong way. Anyway, here we go. Listen, it's been, it has been a fucking while on this podcast, but... Our favourite fucking columnist is back in the Guardian with another diatribe about fucking God knows what. So let's just get into this. Let's just let the Emma Beddington self-pity party start 
all over again. So this is for the observer parents and parenting column. Oh, this will be bad. My kids have moved out, but please don't call it an empty nest. Okay, sure, that seems worth fucking writing an article about. I want to take issue with this nest's metaphor. Life is far harder for real birds. Okay. Now I'm wondering where she's going with this. I'm nearly an empty nester. That conjures up conflicting images in popular culture. Is it knitwear and cruises or divorce and microdosing? Either way, there's a notion of freedom. To take up ceramics, become a sourdough boar, do an open university degree, or, as a woman from my choir apparently did, just stand in the garden and scream. Ha! Huh! God, the crack is nighty around there, huh? About the screaming, I'm not actually feeling the need for now. I have always enjoyed my son's progress towards autonomy. It's not wholly selfish, though I can't wait to live off toast and takeaways. Oh, she loves a little sassy, in parentheses, in brackets, fucking comment about how fucking hip and cool she is. When it's like, the, it goes against everything else in the tone of the article. She's awful. She stinks. My memories of later childhood are of impotent boredom, of waiting for real life to start. I don't doubt that for a second. I don't, yeah. And now you fucking pedal boredom for a living. My nest doesn't feel empty now anyway. You just need to count the number of oversized plastic beakers emblazoned with PhD nutrition. Where did these cups get their PhDs, hmm? No, not good. No, don't. Kill yourself. What the fuck are you doing? Stop it. From now on, look, there's brackets all over this fucking article. She thinks she is so fucking great. They sit clogged with an inch of sludgy pea protein in the sink or under the sofa, where the ants are relishing the opportunity to improve their muscle tone. Where is this going? What is going on in this article? I am so lost. I could write a hymn of loathing to protein culture, the rancid tang of fake vanilla and the cult of bulk, the macho fonts and metal shaker balls that entangle themselves in the drainer rack and bounce out of the cupboards, but we'll save it for another time. Yeah, please fucking do. Thank you. One fucking awful article at a time, thank you. What was that sentence? I could write a hymn of loathing to protein culture, the rancid tang of fake vanilla and the cult of bulk, the macho fonts and metal shaker balls that entangle themselves in the drainer rack and bounce out of the cupboards, but we'll save it for another time. Like, I literally couldn't do that in one breath, and this is me. Talk for Ulster. Uh, Christ is bad. There were a couple of commas in there, but, like, it feels like not enough. Uh, the TV is pumping out weighty dramas about drug dealing. Large abandoned trainers ambush the arthritic dog. My crisp stash has been pillaged and their father is muttering with familiar futility about lights left on. What? Even so, by the time you read this, the younger should have his A-level results. I say it should, because this week I saw a teacher on Twitter asked, bemused, if anyone else had just been contacted by an exam board wondering if they had time to mark A-level papers. I am sure everything is fine. Exclamation mark. Close brackets. You suck. You suck, lady. He will leave. The elder is already gone and only passing through, and our nest will be officially empty. But didn't you say don't call it an empty nest? That is all you have done in this article, literally. And our nest will be officially empty. This is called don't call it an empty nest. 
Fucking stupid cunt. I want to take issue, though, with this nest metaphor. Oh, that you've been using at will, freely. If you had that much of an issue with it, why the fuck would you do a whole article using it? You're a hypocrite. You're a stupid bitch. And I'm sick of you. I suppose people started thinking about parenting using birds because we saw the feathered version played out year after year, the big small drama of it. But as someone who has spent this spring and summer obsessively observing my local birds in a way that is absolutely not a compensatory coping strategy, no, why would you say that? I have notes. Wow. So... Now we're going to get treated to a list of her musings on how real parenthood is like bird parenthood. As though those two are comparable. As though there's equivalence. I just... The entire premise of this article is just ludicrous. Honestly, there's another walloper to get to after this and I, I can almost feel it now. This article is going to ruin my day. Fuck's sake. First, there is much more death in the bird world. Yeah, no fucking duh. <laughs> My younger son goes out late, usually on his bike, sometimes all night, occasionally without warning. I lie awake catastrophizing, but he's always come back, so far. The garden birds were less lucky. The percentage of babies who successfully fledge is never high. In March, I disturbed his revision to show him a blackbird ferrying sticks and fluff into the hedge outside his window. The man's doing his A-levels, and you're being like, the, 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 the bird has sticks of fluff! The bird did the sticks to fluff! Boop! Gee, like... I'd never even considered that this woman had procreated. Like, God help their sons. Can we start a GoFundMe for them, maybe? <sighs> In April, I saw her bring beakfuls of worms. Then I saw her hover in fear as the neighbor's cat sat for hours, radiating casual menace on the fence above the nest. I chased it away, but it returned. Of course she did. Then I didn't see her. I took the dead babies out of the nest, half-feathered, bug-eyed and scrawny, and cried for days. I mean, no you didn't. One sparrow fledgling flew into the window and broke its neck. A starling fledgling succumbed to a mangled leg. Okay. Okay, yeah. What? It's a much slower process. Like, is this woman just having the menopause out loud? Is that what, is that what this is? <sighs> right. Let's just try and get through it. It's a much slower process raising our young too. Sure, we live far longer... But the weeks I watched the great tits service their nest box of screaming babies felt like a frantic fight for survival for both adults and young. Maybe I'm just far enough from life with newborns not to remember that feeling, but raising humans is a marathon. Meals and laundry and learning. Failing and getting it wrong. Just occasionally getting it right. Then when bird babies leave, it's definitive. Through June, my son cycled off in the mornings with his clear plastic bag of pens and I distracted myself topping up feeders and water bowls. I listened to the now familiar patchwork of calls, alarm and reassurance and just checking in as my how was it WhatsApp messages went unread. 
Then exams ended and he disappeared into a long midsummer stretch of parties and farewells. So did the birds. The front garden blackbirds who eventually raised the brood successfully vanished overnight. The great tit teenagers argued with each other in the hedge for a few weeks, but they have dispersed now too. Even the gormless pigeon youths who spent weeks contentedly paddling in the water bowl are gone. But my son comes back exhausted and hungover, and my other son comes home to strip the cupboards with locust-like efficiency. Human fledglings don't really leave home anymore, not in this economy. The birds mean it. Finally, unless you're Alec Baldwin or Bernie Eccleston, oh this is going to finish well, this is going to be a strong sentence, there won't be another brood. Oh, so witty. So thank God for the birds, which seem to be my empty nest hobby, not ayahuasca or swinging. Dude, you could do with both of those things so much. Is that a joke? Like, that's the funniest thing she's ever written because, but like, it, of course, it's not intentional. No fucking way could she nail that one on the head. She hasn't stuck the lantern on any sentence so far. Here we go. There are long-tailed tit-fledglings... A tit-fledgling, sorry. Can I just also just laugh at that for a second? That's been getting me going here too. Ugh. Of course she's obsessed with tits. And it's birds. She can't do fucking anything right. There are long-tailed tit-fledglings at the bottom of the garden and another pigeon nesting in the apple tree. I can see it when I stand underneath, wondering what comes next. That's partly why I'm not screaming. I wouldn't want to disturb it. So it just sounds like this lady just has like... Like, what do you want from us here? Like, it's like, it sounds like you have an absolutely idyllic, beautiful country home. To have all these birds on it. And what the fuck was that about PhD nutrition and bakers and protein and... Like, the woman is fucking cracked. Absolutely, very, very distasteful. Not good. Don't feel good after that. Like, um, no. So we'll get through this last guy. We'll leave it there for this week. Then next fucking episode, of course, we're gonna have to react to the big news of fucking big Liz kicking the bucket, going back to serve her reptile overlords in her own dimension. Okay, so from Reddit, the headline is, "What makes you special?" Question mark. What makes me special? I'm 5'11", i.e. taller than most Indian guys. I'm 17 and own an iPhone 12 Pro. I have a PS5 as well as a gaming PC. Core i9 plus RTX 3090. I live in the United States of America, LA to be precise. My ex-girlfriends have all been white, something I'm proud of. I'm an intellectual, INTJ-A1W2 by the way. I think I'm a mix between Alpha and Sigma male. I am a lone wolf type, but very outgoing too. I'm working out to be more muscular at just 17 years of age. Most kids of my age watch Friends and shit. I read Feynman lectures and watch more intellectual shows. I don't use shit like Facebook, Twitter or Reddit. They're for normies. I only use Quora, LinkedIn, etc. Keep up your standards. I like Italian food over Indian. I want to become a billionaire. Biggest life goal. Most of my friends are into middle wage jobs. Dream higher and bigger fellas. I like physics, maths, astronomy over low IQ subjects like arts. 
Like, how do people even go into arts? It's boring as hell and doesn't make use of brain one bit. I'm a budding polymath and polyglot. I'm pretty fur-skinned too. I prefer relationships over hookups, as I've tried them both. Not a chance. Not a fucking mission. Dude, we all just read that and we know you have never known the touch of a woman. So, that's just it. You know, he's on here. He's, I don't use shit like Facebook, Twitter or Reddit. And this is quite clearly on Reddit. So what the fuck are we supposed to believe? So this whole I am an intellectual, that goes out the fucking window. And then it's just like, do you even own an iPhone 12 Pro? Are you even working out to be more muscular at just 17 years of age? The thing is, I think I know this guy too. I think I used to work with him. So. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, look, like, there you go. Just, oh, as always, you can just be thankful that you're not one of these wallopers. And don't ever let me catch any of you out there walloping punkadella files. Because you know I'm always watching and I'm always getting better at finding it. Next week, do you understand how much walloping is being done on the internet right now in the wake of the Queen dying? I mean, it's just... It is. I mean, it's not borderline insane. Like, they've gone completely over the edge here. Like, like the English... Oh, my God. This is going to be their 9-11. Like, make no mistake. You have not heard the last of this. But I'll be here to take the fucking piss out of it. If that does anything for you, if that helps you out, if you like the show, that's it. Thanks for coming with us. As always, Punkadella Files, you know what I mean? You guys are about nine or ten strong now and always growing so that's it and that's that we are gonna get the fuck out of here we'll be back with a fucking special episode going into it about the queen being dead happy fucking days punkadella files took long enough but here we all are on the other side of it peace love punkadelic